Hi, I'm Ben Pilgreen, lead pastor of Epic Church in San Francisco, and I want to welcome you to the podcast. Our vision here is to see an increasing number of people in San Francisco orient their entire lives around Jesus. But whether you're listening in from the city that we love here by the bay or wherever you might happen to be in the world today, I want you to know that I'm excited about what God is doing in your life and what he's doing in our Epic Church community. I hope you'll find this message encouraging and that it will inspire you to take your next steps along your faith journey. How are you guys doing today? Good to see you guys. You guys looking good. You know, Atul, I think, jokingly said, if this is your first time, you picked the perfect Sunday to be here. Um, Last week, Pastor Ben taught on the spiritual gifts as a whole. Today, I'm going to focus on just one of those gifts, just one, and that's speaking in tongues, okay? So I'm sorry if this is your first time here. Um, I apologize up front. But I want to know who is excited about this message. All right. I, I, I know there's two camps in this room, at least today, right? You have all the former Pentecostals, including myself, right, ready to bust out in tongues, start a revival in this place. Um, but, but we're going to slow down. We're going to let our friends catch up. Um, and then there's another camp that you guys are wondering, like, do we really need a full message on this, right? Why, why not just call it what it is? Fake, excessive, manipulative, fill in the blank, and let's just move on, right? Well, it's not that simple, okay? But I get it, right? This divide, these differences are understandable. You see, because when it comes to tongues, and to a lesser extent, when it comes to the other charismatic gifts of the Spirit, like prophecy or healing and miracles, basically anything in the realm of the supernatural, the church tends to swing to extremes, right? From an excessive focus to ignoring it, right? We are making it the main thing, or we don't want to touch it. We want to stay away from it. My goal today, my goal today is to help us think through how we can avoid doing either one of those extremes and and how we can actually give this gift and these gifts, the, the charismatic gifts, their proper place within the church body. So throughout this message, I'm going to go back and forth, okay? I'm going to tell you my strategy up front. I'm going to go back and forth. I'm going to come on this side. You guys are my Pentecostal side, right? And and providentially, you guys moved over. I'm so thankful. I'm I'm going to push on you a little bit. I'm going to challenge you a little bit, okay? But I still need a favor. I need you to talk back. I need you to let me know I'm doing good, okay? I need you to help me out throughout this message. And I'm going to tell you what's going to happen as I'm challenging you a little bit. This side over here, they're going to be saying amen, because I'm going to be putting you in your place, right? But they're not going to say amen out loud because they're not the Pentecostal side. They're going <laughs> to, internally, they're going to say amen. But I don't want you to get too comfortable because then I'm going to come back and push on you a little bit. But the whole goal, the whole goal is to get us away from the extremes, okay? You guys are with me? Let's get away from the extremes. All right, so let me go back to something I mentioned a moment ago the divide that this has created. Speaking in tongues more than any other gift is what has caused the divide with how the global church, the global church, this is not just an epic thing. This is not just a U.S. church thing. This is a divide that's taking place in the church around the world, and it's been going on throughout church history. 
This gift is what has created the divide with how the global church views and embraces the Holy Spirit. It really has. Just, just, just think about it this way. The church has no problem with the gift of help or the gift of generosity or the gift of administration or teaching or anything along those lines. We have no problem with gifts that we can wrap our heads around. We have no problems with gifts that, quite frankly, aren't going to embarrass us, right? There's a little bit of embarrassment when it comes to uh, this gift, when it comes to people who are a little bit expressive, a little bit over the top, a little bit histrionic, right? But when it comes to tongues, for most of us, it just doesn't fit neatly into our box of what we would deem or what we would call genuine faith. We would just say genuine faith doesn't really look like that. It just looks a little bit too extreme. And as a result, because of tongues and because of excessive expressions of faith, many of us, including churches and entire denominations, have relegated the Holy Spirit to that third wheel status. And I get it. I remember my first church experience at a Hispanic Pentecostal church. And it was old school Pentecostal. I mean, old school. I didn't grow up going to church. We, were, we considered ourselves Catholic, but we never went. Any in that group? That was us. We never went. So this is not just my first Pentecostal church experience. It's my first church experience, period. I'm 14 years old. I went to this church because one of my best friends invited me. This is the church that he and his family went to. And during the worship, which, by the way, Worship at an old-school Hispanic Pentecostal church can go on for hours, okay? Hours. One merengue song. Merengue is like, ding, 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 right? Like, like high, upbeat, guida, congas, drums, everything. One song alone could go for 20 to 30 minutes. And it's just the chorus on repeat, right? It's just saying fire, Holy Spirit come down like over and over again. One song would be so long, I'm not joking, I wish I was exaggerating, that the drummers would switch out mid-song because they would get tired. That's just a sidebar, all right? But during worship, during worship, I, I remember clear as day, people speaking in tongues loud. I'm like, what is going on? It was like deafening almost. People running around the room, I'm shocked, what is happening? And, and one lady bowing and going in circles, I'm concerned she's going to hit her head on the pew. And, and, I, I, and no joking aside, the whole experience was both funny and scary at the same time. It, it, was, it felt a bit like a show, and it also felt supernatural. But even the supernatural part, it didn't all feel like good supernatural. That was the scary part. And some of you are hearing me tell that story, and you're like, amen, right? This is why I don't like it. It's all a show. It's all fake. But let me just share with you something that I have learned over the years in regards to that experience and similar experiences. We shouldn't be quick to judge. We, we shouldn't be quick to judge whether something is fake, false, or not from God. For starters, I'm going to give you three reasons. For starters, I'm not sure anyone is qualified to talk about what is false unless they are well acquainted with what is real. I thought you guys would lose it over here. But I, I'm trying to help you guys out. Come on. 
I'm not sure anyone, anyone is qualified to talk about what is false unless they are well acquainted with what is real. Think about it. Who, who, who is best qualified to talk about or to identify a fake $20 bill, let's say? Those who have seen and felt the real one countless times. But can you imagine, and, and I would say we've all felt money, U.S. money. We, we, in this room, with a high accuracy, we could tell you a fake one from a real one. Because we felt it, even if we've never worked at a bank. But can you imagine if we went to a foreign country we've never been to, we've never seen the currency before, we go to the exchange, we receive the money, and we're like, this is fake. That is ridiculous to us, right? We are comparing it to something we know that is real, but this is other. This is a different realm, something completely different. So it boggles my mind when I hear that a certain movement or a denomination or a religious experience is fake from those who show no sign or no evidence of the power of God manifested in their lives. It boggles me. We shouldn't be quick to judge. Here's the second reason. We shouldn't be quick to judge simply because something can't be explained naturally. Remember that the foundation of our faith rests on a miracle, on the resurrection of Jesus. All other lesser miracles, like the supernatural gifts of the Spirit, stem from that major one. The supernatural, guys, has its place in our faith and in our faith walk. Thirdly, and lastly, we shouldn't be quick to judge simply because we can't understand it. I just don't get it. Guys, leave room for God to be the explanation. Even if there's some doubt in you, that's okay. We should avoid, we should avoid doing what some people did in Acts chapter 2. When those early Christians started speaking in tongues, they were actually, the crazy thing about their experience, they were actually speaking other languages that people could understand but, which is a, an amazing miracle. They knew something crazy was happening, but some that were in the crowd and were witnessing this, they just came up with the idea like, you know what, these guys are drunk. It's not in the morning and they're drunk. Because they could not understand what they were seeing, they attempted to arrive at a natural explanation. They, they just went to, let me explain this some other way, in order to dismiss the God factor. For those of you who have an issue with speaking in tongues, but you're okay with other spiritual gifts, let me, let me just gently say to you that the Bible doesn't take your view. It, it doesn't take your view. In 1 Corinthians, 12, 1 Corinthians 12, Paul gives us an important insight about the variety of gifts that the Spirit gives. And Pastor Ben shared this last week, but I think it's just important, again, to bring it up in this context, 1 Corinthians 12, 4 through 6. There are different kinds of gifts. Pastor Ben read the the list last week, which included speaking in tongues, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone, it is the same God at work. Paul tells us in this passage that the same spirit that gives the acceptable gifts 
like helping and in teaching and generosity and administration and all the other gifts that we would deem acceptable is the same spirit that gives the other gifts as well, like speaking in tongues. He is at work. God is at work in every single one of them. And hear this clearly. For the life of me, I can't twist the scriptures to prove that the power of God and the supernatural gifts of the spirit were limited to the early church. That somehow they stopped once the apostles died or once the Bible came together. Because that's what some people believe. But there's no evidence in the scripture implying that that was going to be the case. That they were going to seize. That they were going to end. So, hear me. If, If it's hard for some of us to believe in the supernatural gifts, maybe we're the roadblock as to why we're not seeing the power of God manifested in these ways. Maybe we're the roadblock. Check out this quote. It's going to be on the screen. Whether we hold that the Holy Spirit does not, will not, or cannot manifest today through the gifts of the Spirit or the miraculous, if we believe that he just can't or he won't or he shouldn't, whatever it is, automatically the Holy Spirit is put to one side. He's cast aside before he is given an opportunity to show his power. Our doubt, this is what he's saying, our doubt makes the whole debate, the whole conversation around the Holy Spirit and his power a non-starter. It it, it just casts it aside. This is like when Jesus couldn't do many miracles in his hometown because the people didn't believe in him, right? Their lack of faith was a roadblock. Whether you believe the Holy Spirit can work through a person in powerful ways or he can't, you are correct. You are right. Whether you, be, whether you believe he can or he can't, you are right. That's what you are going to see. So my encouragement to us today, my goal is not for you to get, speak in tongues before you walk out of this room. That's not, that's not what we're after. No, no. My encouragement, my goal is for you to just open yourself up slightly to the idea that the Holy Spirit can and wants to work through his church in this way, even today. That the Holy Spirit wants to give this gift to his church and so much more that we haven't even tapped into. Now, I'm going to, that was for you guys. Now I'm going to hit up the other side for a little bit. But before I do, um, I, let me define what speaking in tongues is. I probably have gone too far without doing so, okay? So here's a definition for tongues. Tongues is a form of prayer and praise that you express to God in another language that you do not understand. Tongues is a form of prayer and praise that you express to God in another language that you do not understand. And more than likely, in another language that no one understands, unlike Acts 2, right? Although I should say that there are some reports of Acts 2 type stuff still happening today, and we should be open to that. Peter Wagner, who is a missiologist, I believe he passed away recently, reports of several missionaries who were given the gift of speaking in the unknown language of the people among whom they were ministering. And you have reports of this taking place also during the Azusa Street Revival in the early 1900s down in L.A. 
But those occurrences are few and far between. What we are focused on today, what Paul writes about in 1 Corinthians 12 through 14 and also in Romans and in other places are what he would call unintelligible tongues. Unintelligible tongues. And so let me now, let me just talk to us over here. Listen in, okay? Because this is where you're going to say amen. And, and just tell you some of the ways that we get it wrong, okay? I'm going to give you three ways that we get it wrong. And, and by we, I would say, honestly, just Pentecostal and charismatic movements. When we're open to these charismatic gifts, this is some of the ways we get it wrong. First of all, it's with the belief or expectation that every true follower of Jesus will speak in tongues. It's the expectation that everyone, if you are a follower of Jesus, you will speak in tongues. Many people believe that you do not have the Holy Spirit unless you speak in tongues. Some would even go so far as to say that you're not saved if you haven't spoken in tongues. But Paul just dismisses that completely. And he even does it in an indirect way. It's not even something worth his time to address because this is not what they believe. If you look at 1 Corinthians 12, 29, he writes this, are all apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers, do all work miracles, do all have gifts of healing, do all speak in tongues, do all interpret? These are all rhetorical questions with the implied response being what? No, no, no. Just like not all are teachers, all are not um, working miracles and healing, we should not assume that all will speak in tongues. This is a gift that is given to some, but not all. First point. Secondly, here's another way we get it wrong. We overemphasize the Spirit's power in one's life over the significance of the grace of God and the sacrificial death of Jesus. We overemphasize the power over the God who gives the power. And this is my story. The, the Pentecostal church, I didn't go to my friend's church. It was a little bit too much. I ended up at another Pentecostal church at the age of 18. That's where I gave my life to Christ. And I would say we were a little bit more charismatic-like, but you would still see some crazy stuff happen from time to time. But I would say that we, we emphasize the Spirit more than we emphasize Jesus. That was the focus. You see, it, it, and, it, and it created a lot of things that I had to work through over the years coming out of that. What I experienced was that it was more important how God was working through me, how God was using me, than my actual relationship with that God. And when that ends up happening, that's a problem. That's a problem. And it happens too often. And, and, and here's why I believe it happens. Just like in the natural world, we become obsessed with power in the spiritual realm. Just, just like in, in our companies and, and, and in family life or whatever, we want the power, we want the authority, we want the spotlight on us, we want that in the spiritual realm as well. And the spiritual gifts will give you that. They will give you that. We become obsessed with it. But if that power, let me say this again, if that power becomes more important than the one who gives the power, we have completely missed the point. Charles Spurgeon has a quote where he says, I looked to Christ and the dove flew in, the dove representing the Holy Spirit. I looked to the dove and he disappeared. 
Whether he's saying that the dove disappeared or that Jesus disappeared, both are tragic. We get it wrong when we take our eyes off of Jesus and focus instead on the gifts and the power. That's number two. But let me, let me, let me just dive into this a little bit more. Let me also say to those who tend to overemphasize the gifts and the power of the Holy Spirit, that the gifts of tongue, tongues is not a major topic of discussion in the scriptures. It's not a major topic of discussion in the scriptures, and so I don't know why we overemphasize it. Like it happens so often, we get obsessed with and make the main thing something that just might be a footnote. The main thing or main person is always Jesus. The Father wanted it that way. The Holy Spirit affirms him as well. Hear this. The three times that we see speaking in tongues appear in the book of Acts, the early church, the three times we see it, it happens when the gospel is breaking through to new people groups. Out of about 22 accounts of people coming to faith in Jesus in the book of Acts, you have only three occurrences. Out of 22, you only have three occurrences of people speaking in tongues. You have the account in Acts 2 we mentioned earlier, which is what's interesting about that. It doesn't say that the 3,000 spoke in tongues, only the 120 that were in the upper room praying spoke in tongues. Then in Acts 10 with Cornelius, who was a God-fearing man, but he was a Gentile. Acts 2, all Jewish people. Acts 10, breaking through to the Gentiles. And the next time you see it, it's when the gospel's going into Asia. It's as if, it's as if, God, this, this gift of tongues serves as a sign, a confirmation, a witness that God is behind the movement to take his message to the ends of the earth. It's, it shows that God is at work and present in the spreading of his message. And, it, and it's almost as if the sign is more for the ministers than it is for the actual people receiving it. So let them know, I am with you, and I don't want you to just keep this within your group. I want you to take this message to others. So let's not make it what it isn't, this gift. And lastly, we also get it wrong when we speak in tongues without considering who is present. I bet you that if the people at my friend's church knew how freaked out I was, this is a small church, probably 50 to 100 people, but if they knew how I felt and how probably other guests would feel, and if they had a better understanding of these passages, they would have practiced more self-control. You see, because that's the way of love. And these were good people. Love, guys. Paul is writing in 1 Corinthians 12, 13, and 14. 1 Corinthians 13 is all about love. When he's talking about spiritual gifts, they have to be wrapped up in love. We, we typically hear 1 Corinthians 13 at weddings. I used it yesterday at a wedding. But it's about how we use operate, activate these gifts. Love, in a loving way. Love is mindful of others. So let's talk about this. When is the proper time and place for the gift of tongues to be exercised? When is the proper time and place for the gift of tongues to be exercised? Look at what Paul writes. I thank God that I speak in tongues more than all of you. 
I thank God that I speak in tongues more than all of you. But in the church, I would rather speak five intelligible words to instruct others than 10,000 words in a tongue. Paul says, I have this gift. I have it. And I use it more than all of you. But when it comes to the church, when it comes to a gathering like this, listen, I'd rather say five words that you can understand than 10,000 that no one would be, under, would be able to understand. What is he saying? He's saying that the church gathering is not the place for tongues. Now, I know some of you who know your scripture and come from this background, and you'll be like, what about the interpretation of tongues? Yes, I agree. But I believe this is a little bit of a catch-22 there, because how do you know there's an interpreter in the room unless you speak in tongues? Maybe the Holy Spirit would reveal that to you, but I'm not sure. But what he's saying is, what he's trying to guard against is any of us operating in a gift that is only going to draw attention to ourselves and not be helpful to anyone else. That's what he's trying to guard against. So... Since we can't use it at church, does this mean we can get rid of it completely? No. Who, who would reject a gift from God? Right? That wouldn't be wise. We are to embrace it. We are to receive it if given the opportunity. Heck, Paul, Paul implies that we can even ask for it if we choose to. If we want to, we can ask for this gift, for any of the gifts. We can ask for it. The gift of tongues is good for us. It is good for you. Look at what Paul writes. He says, anyone who speaks in a tongue edifies themselves. He also writes in Romans 8 how the Spirit through this gift helps us when we don't know what to pray. Any of you never not know what to pray? Like you just struggle to find words? It helps us when we don't know what to pray. He says, in the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself that is in us intercedes for us through wordless groans. Those are tongues. Wordless groans begin to come out. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. I'd rather have the Spirit praying for me than sometimes me praying for myself. He knows better what I need and what God wants for my life. The Spirit of God speaking in tongues helps you connect with God in a way that otherwise would not be possible. Now, I've told you I've come from a Pentecostal background, but if I'm being honest, I got away from practicing this gift over the past couple of years. And a part of that it's just like many of you. I wanted to get as far away as possible from any form of spirituality that felt forced, any form of spirituality that felt manipulative. I wanted to, I wanted to separate myself from the abuses that the hyper-spiritual environment that I came from inflicted on me. And, and there were some, some scars there, some things that needed repairing. But lately, I've been convicted that I more than likely overcorrected. I, I swung on the extremes. I went from one extreme to the other. And lately, I've been reminded of prayer moments, beautiful experiences with God, where I had no idea what to pray for. The burden on me was heavy. And all I could muster were these wordless groans, where the soul is crying out. 
and tongues came forth, and my lament came forth. And it was a prayer and a praise to God. And I'm telling you, I left those moments a new person. I had no idea what was coming out, but something was coming out. I was connecting with God in a way that I wasn't able to before that. I was strengthened. I was edified through the Spirit praying through me. That is what is possible through the gift of tongues, and it truly is a gift. It truly is a gift. I didn't know how weird it would feel to just admit that I have spoken in tongues before. But a reason why I did want to share that with you, not to boast or anything like that, but I was sharing this message with someone else who is a part of our church, and they told me about this powerful experience that they had with the Spirit. And they mentioned that when it happened, there was a lot of resistance within them on whether or not to share with their friends at Epic because they didn't know how they would take it. And guys, that's not on you. All we're trying to do to say is like, listen, let's have these conversations. Let's spur each other on. This is a gift. We should want this for ourselves and for others in our community. And so if you've had those experiences, you could have those conversations with people, with leaders, with, with those in your community. Because we need this. All right. As we start to wind down, wow, are we running late? A little, yes. That, that, that no was yes, we are. <laughs> Golly, okay. All right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to cut it short here. Let me give you some homework. Go and read 1 Corinthians 12 through 14. Um, it's all about the spiritual gifts, especially the gift of speaking in tongues. And honestly, there's so much there that it wouldn't be possible to cover in a 30-minute message, but it's powerful. And one thing I just want to say is that he, he, the Corinthian church is nothing like our church, all right? They were taking certain spiritual gifts way too far, including speaking in tongues. And Paul, in his letter, he's trying to rein them in. He's like, guys, you, you guys are taking this a little bit too far. But what I love is even while trying to rein them in, he's, he's encouraging them. He, you know, he, he's saying, I love that you are eager for the spiritual gifts, but I just want you to use them in the right way. But what I, my encouragement to you is I want you to be eager for the spiritual gifts, just like the Corinthians were. I want you to desire them, okay? And there's a way that we can practice these things in a way that honors God and builds up his church. So, guys, why don't you guys come up? I'm going to give you just four tips on how you could begin to practice and receive this gift of speaking in tongues, okay? I can't give you a message on tongues and not give you practical steps on how to do it. All right, so step one, create space. You're not going to be walking down Market Street and start speaking in tongues. It's just not going to happen that way. You have to create space, make time for you to be with God, to open yourself up, to, to pray to him, to talk to him. So the first thing you do, you got to create that space to connect with him. Secondly, ask God. He is the gift giver. He is the one who will give it to you. Ask him. Thirdly, try it. Open up your mouth and see what comes out. 
Let those wordless groans come out. That's why I love Romans 8. But don't expect a powerful force to just grab your tongue and start shaking it. it, it it's all, I, I think about it like, like when you're sick. You ever, when my wife is sick, she's like, there's just this groan, this moan, this, oh, like this agony almost is coming out. It's similar to that. Open up your mouth. Let what it, whatever comes out, come out. And fourth, if that doesn't work, repeat. Start with number one again. Go back to it. I'm going to pray for the gifts of the Spirit to be distributed in our community. And I want, you to, I want to invite you to pray as well. And I think it, there's something beautiful when we're, we're not going to pray like super loud. I want you to, though, if you're comfortable, to verbally express your prayers. And if you speak another language, I want to invite you to pray in that other language as well. Um, just, we're just going to open up ourselves to this gift. And um, Seth and the band, they're going to lead us in like a medley. They're going to be going from English to Spanish. And so we're just going to welcome, receive what God has for us. And um, the whole goal, guys, is for the church to be built up and strengthened through these gifts that God has given us. So why don't you stand with me as we begin to pray Father, we thank you. God, for your love towards us, for your love towards your church. You have given us these gifts. You have equipped us. And God, we apologize. We ask you to forgive us for swinging to extremes. God, we have, many of us have done both extremes, God, but we want to apply and receive these gifts in the way that you intended for us to use them. And so, God, would you come? God, would you pour out and distribute your gifts? Not just the gift of tongues, but administration and leadership. God, would you raise up apostles and prophets and teachers and evangelists, God? Would you raise up a generation? Would you raise up, God, men and women who are going to be used by you, led by you, empowered by you? God, we can't do this on our own. We can't do it on our own natural gifts or abilities. God, we need your presence. We need your power. We need your activity. We need your gifts, God, in order to go forth and do all the things you have called us to do. Padre, te pedimos ahora, Señor, que tú vengas. Recibimos, Señor, tu espíritu en esta hora. Queremos más de ti, Señor, más de tu presencia, más de tu Espíritu Santo. Bendícenos, Señor. Te, quiere, te queremos, Señor. Queremos más de ti. Father, we love you. We worship you. We receive you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Come on, let's worship him. Thank you so much for joining us on the Epic Church Podcast today. If you would like to learn more, you can go to epicsf.com. I want to also encourage you to download the EpicSF app so that you can keep up with everything that God is doing in and through this community in downtown San Francisco.